Hey folks, on today's episode of the Total Soccer Show, Daryl and I are going to be breaking down five of the six Bundesliga games uh, from Saturday, uh, some more so than others. But before we get to Gladbach, Leverkusen, Wolfsburg, Dortmund, Freiburg, Bremen, and Bayern Munich, Frankfurt, I wanted to let you know that this episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by our friends at GoToMeeting. They would like to know how working from home has been going for you, and they would like you to also know that Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or fewer, we'll share simple but helpful tips to help keep you on track from managing your motivation, workload and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who's filling his eyes and ears with Bundesliga. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I am indeed. It was nice to uh, to wake up once again to set the alarm. I know that drives uh, parents and people who usually wake up at 6am crazy, but I set the <laughs> alarm. I woke up. I watched a lot of Bundesliga and now I've got things to say about it. Okay. Second week of having live soccer back, live top level soccer with the Bundesliga. Did you take it for granted at all? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, same here. I was a little less excited than I was last week. Yeah, I don't, man. I don't know what it is about Bayer Leverkusen. Like, I really, I know they're exciting. They've got a ton of talent. They're really fun to watch. And something about my brain is just like, uh, let's take a nap. Uh, but I, I <laughs> but I found a way through it. That was the one that I kind of took for granted because it's two really exciting teams. I think whenever you have that idea that it's going to be super exciting and really fluid and attacking, and then even if it's like seventy percent that, you still sort of overhyped yeah. it a little bit in your mind. That I think I made that mistake today. So you keep expecting 1982 Brazil? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> there were some good games on Saturday. There was some interesting yeah, stuff were. going on. So we are here to review the Saturday Bundesliga action. Not all of it, but most of it. My apologies, Paderborn fans. We will not be, will not be <laughs> digging into that. Um, the Sunday games are still to come, right? At time of recording, they are tomorrow morning. So if you're looking for Tyler Adams playing for Leipzig and Weston McKenney playing for Schalke, those will be reviewed on Monday's Total Soccer Show with Taylor and Ryan. Daryl gets the day off. He does indeed, and then it's going to be uh, Daryl's heading up to Boston this week, so it's going to be myself and Bobby Warshaw on Tuesday after Der Klassiker. Wednesday, uh, Manuel Faith will be back with me to round up all of the Bundesliga midweek action. So lots of Bundesliga coming up starting today. I dare you, when you talk to Manuel Weiss, mm. to refer to uh, Dortmund Bayern as Der Klassiker. I think <laughs> Manuel is in the camp that that is not Der Klassiker, that Mönchengladbach yeah. Munich is Der Klassiker. Yes, I, I'm sure he is probably in that camp. And if I do that, I'm sure he will give me a lengthy explanation as to why I'm wrong. That is that is correct, <laughs> yes. But it is the top of the table clash coming Tuesday. Let's start with one of the teams involved, because mm-hmm. the game I watched first um, this morning um, was Wolfsburg with John Brooks at the back hosting Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund came to town and Borussia Dortmund won 2-0. And it was kind of as expected yep. there was um an an overload goal the thing mm-hmm. i noticed was I, I keep thinking of dortmund as the overload kings and we can get into that if you want to and a counter-attacking goal so two dortmund classics perpetrated on wolfsburg and then the other thing that seems to be becoming a dortmund classic at least since the restart of uh bundesliga action would be julian brandt doing something very tricky that looks yes super simple and is actually incredibly complicated Okay, so I think we're both talking about the same thing then. Let's get into um, the first goal. It was scored by Rafael Guerrero, who drifted in from left wing back to be sort of at the far post to finish. But it started with a Borussia Dortmund overload. You Mm. had Torgan Hazard down the right, you had Hakimi down the right, and you had Julian Brandt, who kind of plays left attacking mid, but also just goes wherever he wants. Pretty much. Because I think he's Dortmund's best player, and he's he's just trusted to, like make things happen and do what he thinks is necessary. He drifts over to that right wing so that the poor the poor Wolfsburg defenders are coping with Hazard, Hakimi and Julian Brandt all at once. And the magic happens when Julian Brandt drags it back and flicks it inside. Classic Julian Brandt, right? 
It is. And and when we say that, what we mean is, as I said earlier, like executing a piece of skill that he makes look so routine because it's so just efficiently done and so neatly done at that. But at simultaneously, it's super complicated to do what he does and how he has to like pull the ball into him to then lift it over. Like, yeah, it looks so simple, but it's so difficult to do what he does. And you can see the look on his face when he does it. of like, haha, I did that right. <laughs> like there is a moment of self-satisfaction that tells me he was really happy to have pulled off that level of ability. Here's my favorite thing about Julian Brandt. If you watch him, he is constantly on the move, constantly trying to make himself available, constantly trying to be the extra man to cause an overload of attacking talent on one side of the field or the other. And yet when he receives the ball, he's done so much running off the ball that when he makes things happen, like this goal um, and like the flick on uh, the outside of the foot flick last week, he doesn't run with the ball, right? He doesn't have to, even though he's very capable of running at people, um, he seems to never need to. He can stand still and make things happen. With It's almost like he's uh, yeah. playing basketball and he's already dribbled and he's making things happen from that standing thing where you have to pivot and then pass. I, li- I like that. I-, I would I would extend it to the soccer world of, we, we know in our research from the uh, International Champions Cup of History that Louis van Gaal would like, uh, destroy players if he felt like they were dribbling too much and being too individualistic. And I like to think that rather than like an angel and a devil on his shoulder, he just has good Van Hall and bad Van Hall. He doesn't <laughs> want him to dribble at all. So as soon as he gets that ball, he knows better than to incur the wrath. And so he plays simple and quick and very effectively. <laughs> so to sort of diagram this goal, it's Brandt on the right. He does that lovely flick inside to, I believe, Thorgan Hazard, who can then play it to um, Hakimi. Mm-hmm. Is it Hakimi gives it back to Hazard? And then Hazard squares it for Haaland, who misses it. Straight up misses the ball. But Rafael Guerrero is there at the far post to finish it. But does he mean to miss it, Daryl? Is it a deliberate miss? No. Uh, Lutz, if Lutz Fennan still says he's going for the ball, then I trust um, <laughs> the executive sporting director of Fortuna Dusseldorf. Oh, man, that made my day. That in- <laughs> hey, Lutz's entire performance, I really did find myself tuning in more to what he was saying because it is so deadpan, but it is so devastating at times. Like he had one yeah. where he, Thomas Delaney tried to do this little like delicate chip forward and he's like, D- you don't need to be Maradona. Win the ball, move the ball. That's what you're there for. It was yes. just very matter of fact uh, appraisals of the players. I do remember that. If people don't know who Lutz uh, Fanon mm-hmm. still is, he's essentially, when he was with Hoffenheim, he was the guy that discovered Firmino, right? This is a guy with an eye for talent. Yeah. Um, who is currently sort of overseeing the sporting side of things at Fortuna Dusseldorf. I was quite surprised to see him doing colour commentary for for the world feed. He must just like enjoy doing a bit of extra work. Well, here's the thing that confuses me, is there was that reporting a couple months ago that he had left Fortuna Dusseldorf. It still seems as though he is not. It seems like he is still there. But it, I, I do also think that maybe that reporting was premature, but does give us an insight into he will maybe be on the move this summer. So maybe ah. there's some sort of like uh, in-between purgatory status. Uh, or maybe he is still at Fortuna Dusseldorf. Either way, I enjoy his commentary, regardless of what he's doing off the field. Same, 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 same. Uh, we've got to talk about John Brooks' involvement yeah, in this goal. We do. Um, it is John Brooks that gets dragged over mm-hmm. from left center back all the way to the the far left side touchline from his defensive uh, point of view um, to square up to Julian Brandt. And he's the guy that gets beat by the the drag back and the flick inside, right? John Brooks was pulled out of position for this goal. And it was a shame because as that happened, I was writing in my notes, like, I'm not sure how Dortmund play through because to me, it looked like what Wolfsburg were doing defensively was almost dropping into like a 4-4-1-1, sort of a 4-4-2, but really basically a 4-5-1. Being really compact, it reminded me of of, of um, Atletico Madrid. The way they're very compact, they move from one side to the other, they don't give you space. And yeah. I didn't quite know how Dortmund would be able to play through that, even with all the talent they have. But if your players go wandering or get pulled out of position a little bit, then that obviously does not work to your favor if yeah. you're the defense. And here, that's pretty much precisely what happens. Because Brooks really was doing a good job of, um, not always, but mostly sticking with um, uh, Haaland. Yep. And then balls played into Haaland's feet. He would either beat him to it or make it really hard for him. And he, he hadn't really been beaten up until this point, right? Um, and It was Julian Brandt causing that overload. I think that drags a lot of um, Wolfsburg players over to that side as well, which is at least, uh, at least half the reason why Rafael Guerrero is completely free um, on the far side, right? It's because all the other Wolfsburg players have been pulled so far to the other side that Guerrero can just wander in unmarked to uh, to finish at the far post. Yeah, I, I still don't fault Brooks that much because though he does get pulled out, like I think two minutes before he concedes a free kick when he gives uh, Holland a, a whack near midfield, he like tracks mm-hmm. him all the way out and, and kind of bodies him up. And I do think Which that's kind of the job, right? That's the, exactly. that's the job you should be doing. And so I think if your job is to sort of track the main goal threat, even if he drops back, and I think that is a thing that Holland was doing, was he had that awareness 
awareness that somebody is staying on me pretty tight. So I'm going to drop back and kind of pull people out of position. And in this case, he does just that. And so I think it's sort of it's Brooks doing what he's been asked to do. But then simultaneously, that sets him up for failure a little bit. But has he been asked to follow Julian Brandt all the way out to the wing? Well, that's I'm a question. Not, I'm not sure that's where he, he should have been. I would yeah. honestly, I would class this as a good John Brooks performance mm-hmm. with two big mistakes in it. But see, isn't that worrying, though? Because wouldn't we kind of say that about last week as well? And to some extent, isn't that a thing that we have concerns about with Brooks? That for as locked down as he can be every now and then, there's just that one sort of indefensible head scratcher? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not here to say that he's perfect. Mm-hmm. I'd also say that you could probably watch any game that Dortmund play at the moment and say that a defender had an okay game but got exploited two or three times. All right, that makes me feel better. Sort of the way Dortmund are rolling, right? Yeah. Um, should we talk about the second goal? Because it does involve John Brooks, unfortunately. It's a really good counter-attacking goal mm-hmm. from Borussia Dortmund. It's, it's late in the game, right? I think it's the 78th. So Wolfsburg are trailing. Um, Dortmund hit them on the counter-attack after Jadon Sancho has come off the bench and Hakimi makes it 2-0. But it does start with uh, it does start with John Brooks following Erling Haaland all the way up the field, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and again, that's where I think Dortmund sort of play into that because at this point it's 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 almost the uh, the spring that we talk about sometimes when teams play on the counter attack that you get everybody drop back and drop back and drop back. It's like when you launch the the uh, the ball in pinball, like that's what it reminds <laughs> me of of everybody kind of dropping in and then springing forward at the exact same moment and really quick, simple one and two touch passes to yeah. to get in behind. But yeah, I think a key element of that is Holland going all the way back, Brooks going with him because it's Holland who I think receives the ball and immediately lays it off and then that springs the counter-attack right there that's exactly what happens yeah and i think holland lays it off too it's either dahoud or delaney he mm-hmm. lays it off too and brooks even chases that ball and then yep. gets beat by the pass that that goes out wide so by the end of this brooks is all the way up the field so you've got to partially blame him for um wolfsburg being then sort of overwhelmed uh with the counter-attack and i think i'm pretty confident it's all one touch uh dahoud touches it at least twice on two separate occasions so he's really at the at the heart of all this until Jaden Sancho receives yeah. it, and it's Jaden Sancho sort of beats a man uh, high up the field and and really really breaks this open. Yeah, he's fast, Daryl. I don't know if you knew that or not, but uh, you heard it here first. Jaden Sancho, quick. He's not just quick though; he's smart, isn't he? Because after that. he after he beats his player, um, I think it's Stefan. He he uh, skips around Stefan. Um, and then he dribbles at uh, Prongrosic, the uh, the centre back, draws him in and draws him in, and he draws him in so much that Hakimi is wide open to mm. his right. So Sancho chooses the exact right moment to lay it off into Hakimi's path for Hakimi to have that easy shot into the into the far side netting. Uh, he he does, and then they wheel off to celebrate. And as I think the commentator said, like uh, enough with the hugs, gentlemen, or something like that. <laughs> it did seem as though maybe some of the social distancing celebration wise had been relaxed, or at least the players had decided to relax things a bit. Yeah, because they were thinking, oh, we're a point, we're, a yeah. po- we're within a point of Bayern. We're within a point of Bayern. And they were at that point, right? And they were. Because they get uh, the and, points and, from this, and Bayern were yet to play later in the day. And and it is to the, to their credit that they're able to like to close that gap a little bit just because like this could have been a game that they would have looked past. We've got uh, the official and 100% genuine Der Klassiker this midweek. And <laughs> if you're Dortmund, you easily could have maybe focused a bit on Bayern Munich. We didn't have Gio Reyna start this game. We also did not, did not have Axel Witzel or Emre Jean or Jaden Sancho. So yeah. for a moment, I thought like, ooh, maybe he is resting people, forgetting that you've got injuries. A lot of those players didn't start last week either. I think yeah. all of them didn't, uh, right? was supposed to so it's a credit to them that they didn't look past this game they still get the result but then maybe they do have some fresh legs for that game against Bayern Munich yeah I mean I would argue they started their strongest fittest team right Emre Jan just coming back from fitness Jaden Sancho it seems isn't fully fit so they gave him like 10 minutes last week and a bit longer bit longer this week right mm-hmm. so they're sort of building those players up to maybe play a role um in uh, in De Classica, as mm-hmm. you insist on calling it. Um, <laughs> Gio Reyna did come off the bench, right? So he picked up that injury. Uh, he was supposed to start last week, didn't, because he got injured in the warm-up. I think Reyna got like 10 minutes or so in yeah. this game. There's really not much to talk about there, right? Because the game was kind of dead at this point. Yeah, because we also, uh, I think moments after uh, Gio comes on, we have the red card to Klaus, which I yeah. thought was really harsh. I'd like to know what you think about that one, even with it going to VAR. Um, but I think, I think once... yeah, he was, he does put his foot like down mm-hmm. the, I've forgotten who the player is that he fouls, but he, he like catches him on the Akanji. Achilles heel, basically, right? Who was it, sorry? Akanji. 
Akanji, he catches. Oh, that's my that's my guy as well. I know. Um, he does catch him down the back there, but I think it's it's not like he goes in looking for that, right? It's just that legs get tangled up and that mm. happens. So yeah. definitely painful for Akanji. And you could then, if you're the ref, say, well, that's dangerous because you ended up doing that. But mm-hmm. the, I, I think there's no no intent to to do that. It's just kind of what happened. Yeah, I, and I agree entirely. And that's where the fact that it went to VAR and then the red card was still given. I can't remember if he if he drew the box to say that maybe the ruling had changed, that it had gone from yellow to red, but maybe the original ruling was red. Either yeah. way, to me, that looked reckless. It looked like he was out of control and yeah. obviously makes that contact. But he's trying to make a play on the ball. That feels like a textbook yellow card. So I was surprised by the red, but I also think the red card then means we're 2-0 up, they're a man down, they're probably not coming back, we've got important games this week, let's yeah. just uh, take the foot off the gas a bit. I do hope there's a secret Bundesliga rule that no one's allowed to hurt a kanji. <laughs> That's what it is? Yeah. <laughs> your, war- your warning is a red card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to make an issue, man. Uh, we should also note- we'll sell you to an Austrian team. <laughs> we should also note that uh, Max Hummels did come off, I believe, at halftime. Emerson yeah. comes on, plays center back. Uh, I guess that's not that surprising if you're going with the kind of well, you want a good ball playing center back model. Uh, but from what the commentary said, it was a foot issue, but nothing severe and much more precautionary than anything. Yeah, else. I mean they're they're making sure that Max Hummels didn't make it any worse because they want him ready for Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, so there you go. That is uh, Wolfsburg nil, Dortmund two. Before I have one we final talk, question for you on this one, if you don't mind, before we move. Before we move, Taylor has one final question for me. Hello. Do you find the green jerseys of Wolfsburg slightly difficult to track on the field? I don't know what it was, but in moments today, like they're dark green, they're almost black. It shouldn't be that hard. But for some reason, like the bright green on the front, it, it's a weird blending thing where I sometimes have trouble following it. I can't say that was an issue for me. I wish I could humor you, but I can't say that was an issue for hey, me. Hey, man, it might just be me uh, trying to pay attention to too many things at once. So I, I, I'm curious. <laughs> I feel better about that, uh, just knowing that my brain has lost its mind. Maybe um, maybe your eyes were all wobbly from looking at that forward Madison jersey that you received. That, that could be. That could be. It is bright. <laughs> it is very pretty. Maybe the colors there were just so bright that everything else looked dull by comparison. That must be it, Taylor. Um, that must be it. Before we, before we move on mm-hmm. to talk about Bayern Munich against Eintracht Frankfurt, um, today's show is sponsored by... The Black Tux. TheBlackTux.com is the place to go if you are looking to buy or rent a tuxedo for a wedding or any other event where you need to look good. That's right. And what they don't have is maybe like slightly green tuxedos or suits that will make you blend in and not stand out. <laughs> Instead, they'll give you eye-catching designs and uh, color choices and pattern choices that will make you stand out and will make you look very, very much your best on that very important day. So if you, get, if you visit the Black Turks and you get something from there, Taylor will be able to distinguish you from the grass. That's the I, Black I hope Turks. so. Unless you go the with a grass Turks. tuxedo, in which case you've made choices. The Black Turks guarantee. <laughs> it, it is not like Dumb and Dumber when they try on those various uh, brightly colored tuxedos. Um, you just uh, figure out your sizing, which they will help you do at theblackturks.com. Figure out your style. They have lots of options. You'll be able to uh, find something that suits you. Um, and the Black Turks will send you your uh, tuxedo or suit two weeks before your event so you can try it on and if there's anything you don't like there is time to get it adjusted or changed or switched out so you really are guaranteed that by the time your event rolls around you will be looking 100% just like the 100% merino wool that the suiting is made with (laughs) and the 100% cotton that the shirt is made from they take it very seriously that much is clear and I do like the idea of them having the dumb and dumber option of like the light blue with frills or the orange with frills and if you select (laughs) that one they just say like you're not taking this seriously go elsewhere uh but if you want they to send you to the austrian bundesliga exactly there we go they keep getting sent there um <laughs> so if you want your wedding or special event to be remembered for the right reasons you can order your suit or tuxedo at the blacktux.com and enjoy 10 percent off with the code soccer that's blacktux.com code soccer for 10 percent off your purchase the black tux formal wear for the moment and Thank taylor you very much the, the black tux for sponsoring today's episode yes daryl you were going to say for the moment mm-hmm Dortmund, excuse yeah. me, Borussia Dortmund, were within touching distance of Bayern Munich. Just for, what, an hour or so, they were just one point behind Bayern Munich at the top of the Bundesliga. And then Bayern Munich went and beat Frankfurt 5-2. <laughs> so now, the, now we're back to where we were with Bayern Munich four points clear. Um, despite Frankfurt scoring two goals, they essentially had a good three minutes where Hinteregger scored two goals from set pieces. This was one of those performances that was a reminder that 
Bayern are really formidable. And um, as I'm coming to learn, as I stop thinking of them as an impediment to other teams winning the Bundesliga and just think of them as a team that I like to watch on TV, mm-hmm. really enjoyable to watch. Lots yep. going on. Bayern Munich 5, Frankfurt 2. What are your, what are your uh, things to note from this game? All right. My thing to note is a thing I'm going to pay, pay attention to going forward, and it relates to Thomas Muller, who scores a goal in this game. Uh, I want to talk a lot about that because it's great control and a good finish from him. It's a better ball in, and it's kind of amazing. Uh, is it, from a is youngster. it great control? He kind of pops it up and then brings it down. I, think I want to say the, the first decision. The velocity and the skip to me make me think it's it's decent enough that he's able to not let it pop away. I feel like a, a lesser striker would have let that bounce up in the air and then like tried for a header or something. That he's able to control it to get a volley off is yeah, it's pretty decent for me. But the thing that I enjoyed, I think the most. I think he either refers to himself as Ramdeuter or his teammates do, but at least on two occasions, I swear I heard him scream Ramdeuter when he went to collect a 50-50. No. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell if it was him picking it up or other people yelling at him to like go get it or the ball was coming, but I'm now fascinated by that and want to pay attention to it because if he refers to himself as the like sort of position he assigned for himself in the third person, that's a whole level of nuance I can't really understand. I hope you're right, because that's delightfully weird and delightfully <laughs> confident. Um, if people don't know what Ram Deuter is, it kind of means like what interpreter or exploiter of space, exactly. which is kind of what uh, what Thomas Muller is and what Thomas Muller does. Um, I'll keep my ears peeled for that, Taylor, um, on, on Tuesday in that game. Please do. Please do. But in the meantime, let's let's talk about his goal he scores. More specifically, let's talk about the work done by Alfonso Davies uh, to put that ball in. Alfonso Davies, who went from... Uh, very hyped heading into this game to coming out of it with a lot of tweets suggesting that he might be the best left back in the world. Yeah, my actually my note from this game is as a US fan, I'm jealous of Canada mm-hmm. for having Alfonso Davis. Yes. Because yes. for all the like talented players we've had in the Bundesliga, US players, and for all the players we get super excited about, I don't think we've ever had a player that has played for as big a team as Bayern Munich, because there is no team as big as Bayern Munich, um, as as consistently, um, as well, without getting injured, and has been involved in so many goals. Alfonso Davis is kind of living the living the life that I wish Tyler Adams and Gio Reyna and Weston McKenney were living. Uh, yeah, no arguments here. I would say this, though. I was less jealous of Canada today simply because I already have my uh, insurmountable level of jealousy from when he released uh, himself doing all the parts in the Brooklyn Nine-Nine Backstreet Boys intro. Yes. Really, at that point, I was like, we can't compete with this. He's on He's on a next level, and that doesn't even relate to the way he plays, which in and of itself is on the next level. <laughs> so, yeah, let's do, have you already talked about what he did for that for that Muller goal? Is this the no, one but where, I want to. Da- yeah, please, please tell me all about it. I, I mean, I've seen it, and I enjoyed it. I want to hear you describe it. So when I first watched it happen uh it's basically he collects the ball plays it in thomas muller is able to get like settle it down get the volley off and it's a goal that's the the gist of it when that's i wrote the boring it down, version of it it is i assumed it was sort of like a failed clearance and like frankfurt don't quite get enough behind it and he's able to collect it going back and watching it is them trying to play out it is them trying to break on the counter they play it central and the ball goes wide and it's a little uh, under hit it's a little bit behind but I think there are three, maybe even four Frankfurt players closer to the ball than Davies, but he is so alive to the opportunity that by the time the Frankfurt players are reacting, he is essentially already on the ball, and that level of awareness serves him really well because then he has that distance to close down to get on the ball, but he can then evaluate because he knows he's going to win the race, and because he does, his first touch is almost that, like, step over and then hit it with your trailing leg but like cuts inside and so he he it's a chop, not only right? does, isn't it isn't it like a ronaldo chop yeah it's it, it's a weird little moment that is incredibly skillful but the key thing is that instead of just sort of touching it down the line and then getting into a foot race which is what i think the defenders think is going to happen he cuts inside and is now going at goal which is obviously very disconcerting if you're a defender and kind of pulls people out but then the, like the velocity he he puts on this ball and that he's able to spot thomas Muller and put it more or less on thomas Muller feet it's just the pace behind it is a bit much but still that it's like two touches and he puts Muller in such a dangerous position was kind of a good reminder of why Davies is so good going forward and the kind of threat he provides but then also his pace and just kind of defensive positioning are also very solid I think yeah the thing I like is I think his pace carries such a threat and he knows it and defenders will start to back off from him but when they back off instead of letting them back off and running straight at them then he starts cutting inside because they've opened yeah. a little gap for him to go um inside instead of outside I think that's that's the the smart thing that he does and then he ha- he has got really good 
foot skills in tight spaces, right? Which I think are more on display um, in the... It's Bayern's fourth goal, mm-hmm. uh, Davies, uh, Alfonso Davies' first goal of this game, right? Um, yeah. So this is after Hinteregger has scored those two set pieces. He made it 3-2. It wasn't really in danger, but like seven minutes after Hinteregger makes it 3-2, Alfonso Davies essentially... I'm not, I'm, I haven't counted how many people he dribbles past, but it's definitely more than one on his way to goal. It is. And there's a little bit, uh, I saw this, this comment on Reddit and it is very accurate. It's a little bit of a FIFA goal, not in the sense that we usually talk about where it's like a squared and tap in once you pull the goalie out, but in that he hits the ball. And then there's this thing that like, like, uh, FIFA mechanics will do where though there are other players closer, it's like l- still the ball is locked onto your player. So everybody just kind of parts and lets your player get through. And in this case, the two defenders essentially are just like, Oh, that's still his ball and let it roll through. And then he runs past them and scores. I'm not quite sure what happened there with Frankfurt, but maybe they're just that mesmerized by Alfonso Davies. <laughs> He also had a really good partner down the left-hand side today in uh, Ivan Perisic, right? Yeah. Not the normal guy. It's normally Gnabry. I assume Gnabry was given... I know he played later in the game, but I assume he was given a little rest because yeah. maybe he's playing on Tuesday um, against Dortmund. Perisic does a great thing for Bayern's first goal when he sort of fakes to receive it and then leaves it and Thomas Muller's running behind to then cross for Goretzka. Mm-hmm. I really like that little move from Perisic. And I saw loads of good little fake-outs from Ivan Perisic. It wasn't a side of his game that I really uh, knew that he was all about. I don't know if he just had a day of faking people out. Like maybe he mm-hmm. watched like Punked last night and decided this is the way to go. <laughs> That's definitely it. <laughs> That's, that probably is what it is, right? So yeah. Perisic watched Punked and he went out and punked some Frankfurt defenders. I mean, it might also just be that he looked at his like like freaking back line and was like, you know what? Like if they, if they're going to be that good on the ball, I got to do something. <laughs> and, and maybe that's something is just not touch it. But either way, I, I got to do something to carry my weight. Another guy I learned something about, um, Goretzka, who mm-hmm. I knew was a really nice attacking midfielder. I knew that he could arrive late in the box and score like he does for that first goal. I didn't know he was such a badass. Nor did I. There, there was a, a spell in the first half where Frankfurt started to establish possession. Yep. And Goretzka, you've seen the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Goretzka ended it by just deciding, I'm just going to run up to the guy with the ball who's like in his own half, like not a threat, and just knock him over just to teach Frankfurt a lesson to not do that. So here's the thing. I think if the, we're talking about the same one, it's the 39th minute. It's on Rhoda, who I believe yes, had whacked a Byron player about five minutes before. Oh, and I, and I, I see. Think so that it's that not was, about the possession thing. It's about revenge. It was maybe both. It was yeah. maybe like I have an opportunity to kind of break up their rhythm and also maybe uh, like break up some capillaries. So I'm yes. going to do this. I just didn't know Goretzka was an enforcer as well as a goal scorer. Nor, nor did I. Yeah. I learned I learned some interesting things, including uh, uh, from this game. Uh, Donald Norman had a great tweet of basically that like Serginho Dest is linked with like he can do whatever he wants. It's up to him. But a backline of Dest, Pavar, Alaba, and uh, Davies. There's some technical ball playing in there, and there's some pace in there too. That backline would be pretty amazing, I have to say. Are you getting rid of Berting then? Uh, I, I think that might be the way it goes. Because I, I think, think today, like, and last mm-hmm. week as well, we're seeing sort of the Boateng renaissance yeah. under Hansi Flick, right? I know he'd had a rough start to the season. Oh, when, when we went for the reverse, we were at the reverse fixture of this, right? At mm-hmm. Frankfurt, I believe Boateng was sent off and yes, cut very early on yep. game. Yeah, he, so he was having a rough spell back then. He looks, Boateng looked really sharp to me. And he also obviously looked great bringing the ball out of the back. He, he fits in perfectly with this buying system uh, right now. So I wouldn't be writing off Jerome Boateng anytime soon. I don't think I'm writing him off. I'm more so looking at his age and the fact that he has been for sale, I think, two different transfer windows and maybe, <laughs> and maybe thinking they might be looking towards. And that does feel like a Bayern thing as well, that they would sort of have Pavar, they'd keep him playing. They wouldn't splash the money now so that they could sort of look at their options. And then as soon as they bring in a right back, let's say, Pavard goes central and now you have the kind of center back pairing yeah. that you'll probably have for a good long while. I'm interested in the Serginho Dest to Bayern thing because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, looking at this Bayern team, Pavard does get forward, mm-hmm. but the left back, Alfonso Davis, gets forward a lot, 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 lot mm-hmm. more, right? And I really think that the team is deliberately slightly asymmetrical that way in that the left back is given a lot more license to get forward. And it sort of works, right? That Pavard can do the attacking right back job, but he's also played like 50% of his career as a centre back as well, right? Mm-hmm. So he can he can hold position if he needs to. I wonder if Serginho Dest will have a weird job or if Bayern just change the way they play um, if, if he's playing right back instead of Pavard. And like maybe Dest won't be allowed the freedom that he's enjoyed so far at Ajax. But then why would you sign him? That's the thing. I don't disagree with what you said. It's just like, it seems like, why would you sign this very talented, exciting, promising fullback who can get forward and be a promising attacker to then just go play fullback? 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't so, know. Maybe they see something else for him. Yeah. It could also oh, be he'll he'll be the understudy. That's also a possibility. Is they'll put him on the left and he'll be yeah. the Alfonso Davies understudy, which I wouldn't love, but I also wouldn't necessarily hate. He did post today. Did you see the two things he posted? Who's he? Uh, Dest. Uh, no, no, no. I did not. He posted, I believe, a uh, a photo of him watching the Bayern game, and then he posted a selfie of him wearing a Barcelona training top. The two teams that he is currently linked with. Wow. Yeah. That is yeah. cheeky. A little bit. I'm so bit. glad that he's a U.S. men's national team player. I like that we're talking about this game, and I'm talking about an American who wasn't even involved but could potentially be next season, when there was, in fact, an American involved in this game. Timothy Chandler comes on at halftime, and I think is sort of involved in, in Bayern making it, th- uh, like making it 3-0 at that point, but I think also then plays a part in Frankfurt's uh, brief and unlikely but sort of comeback. Oh, talk me through things. I know, I know Chandler comes on and plays left back, and mm. I know that Kingsley Coman crosses from the right for Lewandowski to score literally in the first minute of the second half after Chandler mm-hmm. has come on. Is he at fault for that goal? Uh, the commentator said yes. I'm inclined to say no. And I think it's because... I trust you for, more than the commentator. Well, thank you. Uh, it, it's a sort of... It's another like unnecessary giveaway from Frankfurt uh, when they're in transition. And that, we know, is a time when you are most vulnerable. Bayern very quickly moved to counter upon that. And I think Chandler, who's been brought in specifically to be an attacking left back to get forward to help alleviate some of the pressure and to help try to create some chances has moved central and is further up. And I think in the moment when the break is on, tries to make a play, tries to kind of cut it out and gets pulled centrally. But I think also that's what you have to do in that moment because if he stays wide, there's too many gaps that could easily be passed through or run through. So he moves wide or moves central, but that creates all that space out wide. And that's why Bayern are able to sort of have the luxury that they do. And even when he does sort of move back out wide, he's slow to get back into defensive shape. So he plays a part for sure, but he is definitely not the one who like allows all this to happen and I think there are many other Frankfurt players who will probably not want to watch the replay of that sequence I guess there are, there are no standout Frankfurt defenders except for maybe Hinteregger right yeah. it's like Hinteregger and trying to trying to cover everybody else's mistakes yeah that might, much, that might be it that might be it so you so, said he was involved with the goals what, what was Chandler's involvement in the in Frankfurt's two goals in, in that he comes on for uh, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation but uh, Indica I believe he comes on at halftime and essentially is just much more attacking I feel like like uh, Frankfurt had been backed off and forced back a bit and so Chandler when the opportunity is on, or pretty much any time it seems like it's on, is trying to get forward. Um, and it's not as though he's at the top of the box, like moving the ball and being a number 10. But I think just getting numbers further forward, he's involved. I think he like, challenges for the ball when it c- comes in. Defenders move to him, and that's why uh, uh, Hinteregger is open for the first uh, opportunity off the set piece when uh, Frankfurt got their first goal. So I just felt like him sort of being much more involved in the attack and getting uh, forward more often from a left-back spot as well was very exciting uh, from an American. American, uh, U.S. national team perspective of we do need a left back and maybe we want to try some attacking left backs. And there's Timmy Chandler, a possibility as ever. There was a rumor that he was going to be included mm-hmm. in that March um, friendly squad, right? We don't, I don't, we've got no confirmation of that, but there was a rumor that his, his name right. might have been on the list. Yeah. So we might have seen the return of Timmy Chandler. And I guess we'll see if we ever see the return of international football. Yeah, we'll see. We did see the return of Manuel Neuer, not that he ever went away. But my first, like one of my first notes is in the 33rd minute, he's well off his line to chest pass the ball to David Alaba. That could have been a breakaway. Uh, I yes. miss Manuel Neuer. It's nice to have him back around. Yeah, um, Alexander Newbold did not enjoy this game. Probably not. Probably not. I don't think. Um, one final thought I just had. Hmm. Would Sejunio Dest be better off going to Borussia Dortmund, where Ashraf Hakimi, attacking right back, um, is key to everything they're doing, but his loan is up at the end of the year, and I think he's heading back to Real Madrid. That's a really good shout. Uh, I, I think the money on offer from potentially Bayern or Barca will be difficult to ignore. Uh, if Dortmund were looking for a Hakimi replacement, which I, I have a feeling they're going to struggle to sign him on a permanent deal. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll be able to pull that off. But if not, that's a really good shot, Daryl. That would work, I think, really, really well. I would love to see, uh, just in terms of like the Bundesliga competitiveness, imagine mm-hmm. Dortmund um, beating Bayern to a player that Bayern wanted to sign. I mean, they'll get him on a free in three years. So, you know, <laughs> either way, it bounces out. <laughs> All right. Before we talk Gladbach Leverkusen, shall we talk about today's sponsor? Let's Taylor. do it. Um, so if you are struggling with a condition like erectile dysfunction, the first thing I always say to people, do not be embarrassed. Mm-mm. Don't be embarrassed, but if you don't want to tell anyone, you can still get treatment without having to go to a doctor or talk about it with anyone. 
thanks to our friends at Roman. Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor, licensed in your state or from the comfort of home. That's a licensed Dr. Taylor, not Dr. Nick, not Dr. Spichemin, none of those fake doctors, a real doctor licensed in your state. Oh, Leo Spaceman, he's the best. Um, Doesn't he I did pr- notice- pronounce it Spichemin? Oh, he definitely does. It's just tra- Tracy calls him Dr. Spaceman. Um, <laughs> but I did, I did think it was interesting that when you had players kind of down for prolonged periods of time, I think because they want to limit the amount of contact that there is, uh, I, I feel like the ref would kind of stand over the injured player for a while and if they never sort of roused themselves or sat back up then he would wave the medical staff on and it felt like a really long time to wait to see a doctor whereas if you utilize uh, something like for example Roman uh, you use your phone or your computer it's a free online visit you hear back in 24 hours that is roughly as fast as the medics were responding in some of these (laughs) games so I feel like it's a it's a good trade-off. So you'll hear back from that U.S. licensed physician again, yeah. not Dr. Nick. Inflammable nope. means flammable. Um, and if the doctor <laughs> decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash TSS for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. As Daryl said, that's GetRoman.com slash TSS for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Thank you to Roman for sponsoring today's show. I concur. Shall we get back to what was essentially the battle for a Champions League spot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Gladbach hosting Bayer Leverkusen. It was uh, Rosa versus Bosch, two of the sort of most exciting, pressing um, coaches in the Bundesliga. But he was always going to be Kai Havertz scoring the goals. <laughs> this finished 3-1 to Leverkusen, a win away from home. All those cardboard cutouts um, in the stadium mm-hmm. didn't do Borussia Mönchengladbach any good. They were fun, though. I, d- I did they enjoy them in there. That, w- that was a nice Same. attempt. I think there was also an attempt in one of the games to have some crowd noise. I don't think it was audible to the people at home. It was definitely audible to the commentators. Uh, I did like the people, even though in moments I was like, wow, those, those graphics are bad. They're not even moving. And then I realized what had happened. <laughs> I did, also, would, I did also really enjoy from this game that like, if I told you... Uh, like Leverkusen went up 1-0. You'd be like, was it Kai Havertz? And I would probably say yes. And then I'd say, oh, but Gladbach equalized. And you'd be like, was it Taram? Taram seems to be scoring a lot. And then we go back to Havertz. I have to believe, though, the third goal, you might not have gone with Sven Bender. Why not? I think I think just when you think of natural goal scorers, you I don't see. think as the central center back uh, f- for, for a team. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So Kai Havertz, his star like, has been on the rise for a long mm-hmm. time. I feel like it's at its zenith right now. Right, yeah. Uh, Leverkusen, Bosch is playing him essentially as a straight-up centre-forward, but then he's also just allowed to wander wherever he wants to go and influence the game. He sort of has the assist on his own penalty, kind of, right? Because he plays that beautiful outside of the football uh, through to Bellarabi before Bellarabi gets chopped down mm. in the box. So he really has become like playmaker and like goal scorer. And he's another one of those Haaland type players who's really tall, but also really fast running in behind and also really technical. Um, I, I, he's genuinely, he's now appointment television, I think. Every time I see Leverkusen yeah. around, um, I know you, you don't always get as excited or you sometimes feel disappointed. <laughs> I really do think, okay, I want to watch Kai Havertz play. Yeah, and and I think it's an irrational thing because they have so many fun players and interesting players at that. Kai Havertz being chief amongst them. Uh, the aforementioned Manuel Faith uh, did make the point on Twitter that like there will come a time when Bayern Munich need to replace Robert Lewandowski. And the shout of Kai Havertz replacing Lewandowski does make a lot of sense, especially with the way he's being utilized and sort of what he brings to the table. That signing makes too much sense to me. I think he looks more like a Wolverhampton Wanderers player. <laughs> That's not at all wishful thinking, though, right? It's very wishful thinking. (laughs) Oh, imagine, imagine. There is a guy that I sort of spotted last week, did some reading on and spotted again this week that I think is key for Leverkusen. Can you guess who I'm talking about, Taylor? Bellarabi? No. It is Edmund Tapsoba, the centre-back for Leverkusen. I should have known. I should have known to be a centre-back when it comes to Daryl Grove liking players. Tapsoba's a big deal. Right, mm-hmm. Tabsoba only signed for Leverkusen in January, and I think he's made all the difference to making the Peter Bosch system work. I know that's a, right. I know that's a big shout, but I I really believe this. All right, tell us why you believe it. I want to hear. So he's this young, confident centre back, right? That mm-hmm. they signed um, from a Portuguese team, Vitoria, 
um, back in January. His whole his whole rise is fascinating. He plays in Burkina Faso as a teenager. Um, he's got a Portuguese coach who knows somebody in Portugal, signs for a second division team. Then Deco, remember Deco? Mm-hmm. Spots him, becomes his agent, moves him to Vitoria, a Portuguese top division team. He plays like 20 games for Vitoria. Leverkusen signed him in January 2019 as a long-term project. Peter Bosch sees him in practice and he's like, you're going straight in my team, straight in the huh. first team. Let's go. And the reason he's so good is, you know, Peter Bosch loves to um, really press really, really high. And do you remember he used to do this with Dortmund and Dortmund would just occasionally get murdered. And it's yep. basically why Peter Bosch lost his job in the end. That I remember, um, yes. Um, Edmund Tapsoba lives for that moment. I read a great uh, interview and profile with him in The Athletic. Rafa Honigstein wrote a story about him. He loves to be left one-on-one at the back. <laughs> So it absolutely perfectly suits the way Peter Bosch likes to mark. I don't know if you spotted this, but the way Leverkusen, when they press, they essentially just have two centre-backs, then ahead of them, like a line of four, and then another line of two, and then another line of two. It's such a stretched out, weird, dangerous system. But if you've got a centre-back who relishes that, even up against Marcus Turam, then you've got a chance to win games like this 3-1. Tapsoba, he also seems to have the disposition of like uh, like the linebackers that I knew who played played college football in terms of like they love a physical challenge, they want to get into it with the with like their opponent, and then simultaneously, as soon as the sequence is over, they're like, let's do it again. I want to get after him again. Yeah. Like they they like that contact, they like that physicality. I saw that from Tapsoba on a number of occasions, not just in kind of putting out fires and breaking up counterattacks, but not hesitant at all to get into it with Plie, not hesitant to get it with uh, Taram Embolo when he was on the field, albeit briefly, there was some contact there. I feel like Tapsoba is very good at letting attackers know he is there and will continue to be there throughout the game. And he's also surprisingly sort of delicate bringing it out. I think the first goal starts with Tapsoba just having a weird like sideways glance header that takes everybody by surprise to start the move down the right. So like a nice little... corner of his head pass that that gets things going this might be my new hero Edmund Tapsoba Um, I like to watch Leverkusen for centre-backs and strikers at the moment his name is Edmund Edmund Tapsoba you gotta love it, Edmund. That makes sure me happy. What I also like to believe is that you were all about the uh, Tudibo. Was it Tudibo? Uh, yes. Holland last week, yeah. and that slowly you've just gone with another T center back, and over time it will morph into. You were always about Tapsoba. It was never about Tudibo. <laughs> I've still got Tudibo stuck. <laughs> okay, that's good. I'm glad. Do you have stock in uh, Elvetti for conceding a penalty? I do not. Yeah, that was that was like I understand his protest, but when you're like sliding back out of control, even though the shot is gone when you take out a player's legs, like I was of the opinion uh we already had the debate about the other red card. This one to me could have been a red card because it's like last man, he's not making an attempt on the ball, the shot has gone, in comes the sliding challenge. Isn't this the double jeopardy thing? If you give away yeah. a penalty, even if it's a denial of a goal scoring opportunity, it's not also a red card. Well, the right? rule that- has to be that if you're making a legitimate play on the ball, if, if you're like, basically, if you uh. make a play on the ball and you take the guy out, you're not getting a red card. But that's where we see the, if you dive in front and handball it off the line, then you'll get a red card and there's a penalty. And here, because the shot happens and gets taken and then the player gets taken out, you could make the argument that like the ball was gone and yet he took the, the dude out. That but would be harsh though, right? That making be. a play on the be. ball thing is, I think it's to stop it being things like where you just punch someone in the face. Yeah, right? that's probably true. <laughs> just take them out. <laughs> Don't he do can, that. He can make an argument that he was making an attempt to make a legitimate play on the ball, even though it doesn't look very legitimate. Yeah. It's just because I'm not as good as uh, Better Happy. <laughs> That's good. So at least it wasn't Don Revy defending. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I felt bad. We saw Briel Embolo, I did mention, uh, coming off in the 12th minute. And that's a player who has been in the scouting network for a really long time. We have like sim- sympathy for and, and an appreciation of, but it looks like maybe week. another injury today. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So, oh and, and but it does allow uh, uh, like like a little bit of changing. It doesn't end up really helping Gladbach because obviously they're going to lose this game. Uh, but we wish Real Embolo a speedy recovery because if nothing else, it's an even more fun front line when you've got him and Saram uh, in there with Plie. Yeah, actually, the guy who comes in is somewhat involved in the goal. I think it's Stindl. Yeah, mm-hmm. number thirteen. One, one final thing I wanted to note is I talked about Leverkusen's pressing. Um, maybe maybe now is not the time to go into a detailed description of Leverkusen's pressing, but it's essentially like a man-to-man type thing where everybody's pushed up really high. Um, Mönchengladbach, I think, didn't have an answer for that except to go long, right? And it's worth noting that the only goal Mönchengladbach score is essentially 
the goalkeeper, I think Sommer, yeah, Sommer in goal, goes mm. long to Marcus Turam, who like heads it down or chests it down uh, to Stindl, then player crosses it in for Turam. That was their only mm. route to goal, basically, was to go, you know, for all the beautiful positional play type stuff that Marco Rosa likes to do, they ended up having to go long to their big centre forward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that and, was the only, the only route available to them, thanks to Leverkusen. The other thing that I've really, really enjoyed is when you have uh, that Embolo, uh, when Embolo comes out, I think it's at halftime, uh, they go in, do Gladbach, and they change it up. They go to a back uh, three, I think, to try to match what Leverkusen were doing. And pretty much as soon as that happens, uh, Weiser, the right wing back, sort of sits back in, and then Leverkusen changed to a back four. And that felt like a very intentional thing from Peter Bosch to like, oh, you think you've adjusted to what we're doing? Then we're going to adjust to what you were doing in the beginning. And it's this chess match that Bosch definitely seems to have won because after that adjustment happens is when they get, uh, I believe, their second and third goals. So decent work uh, on the managerial front from Peter Bosch. And I'm still arguing that Edmund Tapsoba makes it all possible. I don't, you probably fine. you probably heard the stat. He is unbeaten in the Bundesliga. Really? Yeah, yeah he has there never, we go. never lost a game since he started playing for Bayer Leverkusen. Since you have sung his praises, I will just say really quickly, I think Sven Bender might be a master of the physical dark arts when it comes to both defending and attacking, because he is the one who we know uh, had the clash with uh, Giovanni Reyna. Uh, The goal gets called back because of that physicality, but I feel like it's Bender sort of knowing what he can get away with and when to act like he's the aggrieved party, whereas for this goal here, he basically just outfights everybody and sort of wrestles everyone out of the way to be able to get a power header behind it. Uh, I was very impressed by him, at least on the attacking side, and then kind of set out to do the defensive job too uh so yeah, i know just, like, just you... clear a path for himself right to the ball yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, like it's... in um this is a very weird reference but we recently watched this movie because you know pandemic lots of movies um in romancing the stone when michael douglas is like hacking his way through the colombian jungle i feel like that's what sven, Den- sven bender does as he's just hacking your way at, at uh, defenders in his path as he goes to the ball I like that. I also like the idea that you watched that movie and then it motivated you to write more Jay Peterman-esque jewelry copy. Is that what happened? <laughs> it actually it actually didn't. That that freelance job is ever so slightly on hold at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, has something happened? Something has happened to the entire <laughs> really? world economy. Yeah. Oh. I should probably pay attention jewelry to that. is not a top priority right now, it turns out. I mean, you know, unless unless you're scoring goals like Kai Havertz, maybe you got to get some uh some jewelry to back some, that up. You some don't know. Bling, some Kai Havertz bling. <laughs> Um, speaking of young strikers, yeah, um, let's. Oh, sorry, we should just talk about the league position, right? This this mm. win, Leverkusen's win over Mönchengladbach, does elevate Leverkusen into the Champions League positions over Mönchengladbach. So this win was a big deal. I don't know if we'll start seeing the fall of Mönchengladbach or just the continued rise of Leverkusen. Right, too late for a title challenge, but I'd feel really good about like putting money on them. I'm not going to put money on them, but I'd feel really good about Leverkusen taking a Champions League spot, which might persuade Havertz to stay. You never know. You never know. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of money, and Leverkusen might be able to invest that in like a couple of players. So yeah. we shall see. Uh, we shall also see what happens with Leipzig. Obviously, as you said, I believe in the very beginning, they play on Sunday. Yep. So they are, I think, one point behind Gladbach, who are in fourth, Leipzig in fifth, but with the game in hand. So uh, if they get that win, I think they jump all the way to third place, still three points behind Borussia Dortmund, and uh, several more, seven, behind uh, Bayern Munich at that point. Go on, Tyler Adams. Get it done. Um, Make it happen. <laughs> speaking of Tyler Adams, uh, you'll remember that we've been working on uh, Football with Grant Wall. It's a new show that we've been producing. Thank you to everybody who has downloaded and listened. Um, the first episode was Tyler Adams. The second episode was Julie Foudy. The third episode, we can now reveal, will be released on Monday. And the guest will be no less than Landon Donovan. Mr. Nope. Landon Donovan will be... He, he scored some goal or other in, uh, in 2010. <laughs> Oh, Don Ovan. Don oh, okay. Ovan, yeah. Oh, the you. one thank who, um, his job is to set up Patrick Rick. Okay. That, that, I'm familiar with him. And I think he did a good job of that. <laughs> he, he did. He knew the plan. Get it to Patrick Rick. Uh, <laughs> so Landon Donovan will be the guest on Football with Grant Wall. Please do us a favor. Do Grant a favor. Go and find Football with Grant Wall on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Overcast or Stitcher or however you are listening to this podcast. Please go and find that podcast. F-U-T-B-O-L with Grant Wall. So, Grant, I'm reading the notes here. Grant has Landon Donovan this week, and on Tuesday, we're going to... Bobby Warshaw. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Bobby will be there Tuesday to help me uh, break down Jack Classicer and all that happened. I'm just going to keep saying it to make Manuel have even more of a headache. Uh, but before that game happens, should we talk about one more American of the Bundesliga, Mr. Grove? Yes. Yeah, so Josh Sargent um, started for Werder Bremen away to Freiburg and got a win. Sargent started and got a win. I am taking this as a positive. 
Please, please tell me how. Because he started and got a win. He played, <laughs> he played center forward, right? Mm-hmm. He, I don't think he had like a magnificent game. I kind of scanned through this game, right? I don't mm-hmm. think he had a magnificent game, but I honestly think he just played a role of being the target man and they would fire balls into him and some of them he would control. Some of them he would get cleaned out by a Freiburg center back. <laughs> but I think the main job was just to make a bit of room for Davy Klaassen, who is back. Mm-hmm. He wasn't um, available last week. And David Carson won the game for Bremen, basically, with that magnificent through ball um, yep. to set up Bittencourt to score the winner. Uh, he did, and Bittencourt does score that one. I do think there's an issue with what Werder Bremen are doing, and that's very obvious given that they're in 17th place. Yeah, although I mean, they're a getting, horrible, horrible football team. <laughs> yeah, uh, and getting, getting three points against Freiburg, who uh, remain in 7th place, uh, not a bad result. Yeah. But the thing that I, I don't know what... Bremen are trying to do and Daryl maybe maybe you can help with this or maybe this is a thing we can pay attention to more is are they trying to sit and counter or are they trying to get forward and then play possession because I saw both and I think that is partially to explain at least to some extent why Josh Sargent isn't sort of more consistently on the ball and making things happen is because there are times when they try to break really quickly and that's what happens for this goal but then there are other sequences in which uh, Bittencourt could have played in Josh Sargent at least twice he can kind of play a ball forward and facilitate a counterattack, keep the ball moving quickly, and instead he dribbles a good 30 yards, but he doesn't hear about it, and I can't tell if he's supposed to play that ball and they do a rapid counterattack, or if they want to kind of keep the ball and slow it down. But the kind of difference in those two approaches that seem to be sort of erratic, I think does explain at least to some extent why Bremen aren't more consistent in their attacks. I honestly don't know, partly because I haven't seen enough Bremen lately. I Mm -hmm. haven't seen enough full games. Essentially, if Sargent doesn't play the whole game, I don't watch a whole Bremen game, which is very... um, um, very uh, redhead striker centric of me. Um, <laughs> but it's also, I think it speaks to maybe Bremen's problem. Like for yeah. most Bundesliga teams, you really can identify what they're planning to do, right? Every team in the Bundesliga has this really specific and worked on tactical plan and you can point it out. I'm not sure I can do that with Bremen. I can say they're not a pressing team. Anytime I've seen yes. them play, they've been like a sit in a mid block kind of thing which is just that thing of not committing to pressing and not committing to sitting deep and counter attacking um just try and deny space in the middle and sit in a mid block but i can't tell you if they try to go fast or not when they when they get the ball back i wonder if there are and, and then i what i don't think they do is sort of try to like like have josh Sargent be a false nine and he's supposed to move around a lot and find little pockets of space it seems like they want him leading that line and staying forward we talked a little bit about that last week well they like, i think they ask him to come a little towards mm-hmm. midfield and show for the ball and receive the ball and then lay it off for class uh for Klaassen or for ratschitska or for bittencourt i think it's meant to work that way um but like I think Josh Sargent is a young guy who's only mm-hmm. so good at doing that, right? And they weirdly, they just don't have anyone better to do it. They don't have like a Lewandowski or like other teams, they don't have a Haaland or a Marcus Turam or a Kai Havertz. There's just a really high standard of center forward that's playing for a, yeah. the good Bundesliga teams. Well, here, here's my question then, Daryl, and it's it's a bit of a strange thought experiment, but like if Josh Sargent is is sort of being asked to do a job that maybe to some extent isn't naturally what he wants to do, it seems like he wants to kind of charge around, make some plays, be a little bit more involved. Like, what do you think a player can do to sort of mentally change from, I want to run around and try to kind of be everywhere and cause pressure to like, I want to stay central. If your idea is like staying a bit more central is counterintuitive to what I want to do. How do you think like he can focus it a bit more into like, no, instead of running around and kind of expending that effort, I can save that and be more present and do these little runs instead of these big sort of all over the place runs. Well, actually, I think you're conflating two things, right? The, The criticism that the Bremen coach had of Josh Sargent was about his, what he did defensively right mm-hmm. um, which is that they wanted uh, Bremen to sit in that mid block I think this is the, the game against maybe Hertha Berlin um, but instead of sitting in the mid block Sargent would essentially go and press and would ruin the mid block right so that's like a defensive side of the ball thing that Bremen weren't happy about but I do agree that that like t- back to goal target man thing that Bremen are asking Sargent to do when they attack isn't necessarily the thing he likes to do which I think he likes to be facing the defenders and running at them or running in behind to be on the end of through balls, right? Um, And I would argue that the thing Josh Sargent has to do is just accept that this is part of the job, right? Unless you're playing for um, a team that is all about putting balls in behind, like if you were playing for Leicester City who were putting balls in behind for Jamie Vardy in 2015-16, 
you've got to just learn a new side of the game, right? And it's not as if Sargent is terrible at holding the ball up. He's not bad at all. Like, he's successful 50% of the time. So I think the only thing he can do is just keep working at it, keep getting better and making sure that ball sticks to him and he can lay it off for David Clarsen. And then maybe if he's successful more often, he can lay it off to David Clarsen and then he can run in behind and maybe Clarsen can play him a through ball. Yeah, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Where I like, I guess where my concern was coming from was that sort of moving around and sort of trying to help with the defense. To me, watching some of those moments from last week again, which I did, I went back and sort of watched to see when he got yelled at because I missed that the first time and you were telling me about it. Like, it felt to me because I have been obviously not to the extent of the Bundesliga, but I've been in that position of like, no, stay forward. We want you as the outlet. But then there is that feeling of like, I'm not helping. The, my, all my teammates are back. It's a four, five, zero, one. I should be doing something. And I almost wonder if there's an element of just like, he needs it reinforced. Like, dude, we don't need you doing that. We appreciate the inclination. Just stay high and cause the defense problems. And I almost wonder if it's just that level of like, he wa- he's so eager to help that it's almost to his own detriment. The, the thing is just to learn it then, right? Just yeah. to learn to do what the team is asking of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good call. All right, there you go. So just do what the coach says and maybe you'll be fine. And here's, and here's the thing. I still think this is a good learning experience for Josh Sargent, right? As yeah. US fans, it's not what we want, right? What we want is to keep seeing highlights of Josh Sargent running in behind and banging goals in. Um, but it's still a, a good experience to play for a bad team and take your lumps getting beat up by centre-backs yeah. and, you know, just play play that for half a season. And in a weird way, if Bremen get relegated, it's kind of fine, right? Because yeah. he'll get more, like, just more attacking opportunities if he plays for Bremen in the two Bundesliga next year. And he's still young, and that will be a good year for him. If he stays up, then there's a chance Bremen get better in some way, and he has a more successful time as well, right? So I'm kind of, I'm trying to be really relaxed about what happens to Josh Sargent at Bremen and not expect too much too soon. And just be happy that this very, very young American striker um, is, is getting to play in the Bundesliga and is learning lessons every single week. And so with all that said, I don't think I'm like breaking any new ground when I say that maybe this is one of those very good examples of we shouldn't be looking at like the box score of Josh Sargent's games because it is similar to like Josie Altador at Sunderland. I doubt we're going to see a lot of like suddenly Josh Sargent scores a brace. Maybe he will, but I think more likely we have to evaluate his game based on did he hold up and like was he the assist to the assist to the assist? That's where I think we'll maybe see him doing what's being asked of him and thus maybe functioning within the system, even if it doesn't necessarily translate to a bunch of goals. Yeah. He may still be like developing in the exact right way that we need and more specifically that uh, Kofeld, his manager, needs. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so don't worry about it. And they yeah, won 1-0 right. away from home, so all so is th- good, I think. That was a good 12 minutes that like succinctly can be summed up with. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. All right, cool. Uh, anything else to add on the Bundesliga before we get to the one scouting report that we have today? Just that it's nice that it's back, and yeah. I enjoy it, and I love the stuff they're doing at uh, halftime of games, the stuff that the Bundesliga is putting out about how to social distance and everything. It's some funny stuff. It's more adorable than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just a... <laughs> I think that's a function of Fox Sports 1 not having any studio yeah. show to show us. Mm-hmm. So they're just showing us all the Bundesliga promo stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I can, I can appreciate the Bundesliga and their programming and simultaneously not enjoy what Fox are doing. Yeah. I think that's fair. I will say maybe the best guide to washing your hands and how to social distance and all that mm-hmm. probably came from Bayern Munich. Yeah. And also just good life advice of don't take your shoes off in a crowded room. Is that right? Uh, that's, I think it's Devin Alaba takes issues off when they're trying to teach you the importance of keeping proper ventilation and opening windows. And Robert Lewandowski comically wafts his hand in front of his face as if to say PU and then opens a window and then turns to the camera and gives you a thumbs up. Man, those feet are stinky from all the defending he's been doing to get it you the be. ball, Lewandowski. It's also How just the case you? that like, you guys are in fully brand new Bayern Munich gear. Pretty sure those socks don't smell bad. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they're box fresh box fresh uh, all right the one scouting report we yeah. have um thank you to gray hair gaming um for sending in a scouting report it's about indiana vasilev um who has signed a new contract with aston villa that keeps him at the club until 2022 however mm. i don't know if you have you seen this report taylor um no gray hair has asked that because i retweeted this um when it happened he felt like i stole his thunder um ah. so he has politely requested uh, that I read out the scouting report in the thickest Midlands accent I can manage because Vasileva oh. signed with Aston Villa in the Midlands. I don't think I've heard you do the accent very often. I am very excited for this. So, I mean, I have a Midlands accent, right? It's identifiable, but I never lay it on thick. So to read out Greyhair's scouting report, 
I'm going to lay on the Birmingham accent. Oh, boy. Are you ready? I am. Indiana has signed a new contract with the Villa that extends his time with the club to June 2022. In an interview for the club website, he noted the positive influence of Dean Smith and the environment around the club. Apparently, Indiana loves gritty relegation scraps. That just sounded like you were very excitedly reading a news report. I mean, that... (laughs) That's sort of what it was, right? I mean, I'm just saying it was like, it was a little bit. There was one word in there, though, that you made into four syllables when I think it's three, and it's my new favorite thing. I mean, that's how the Birmingham accent works. (laughs) Add those syllables. What's what is? Do you have a preferred piece of uh, Birmingham slang that you would use, maybe if you were home, but maybe we haven't heard you say? Like, because that's the thing is you were reading it with the accent, but I feel like we need at least one word to show the the kind of localized uh, nature of things. Oh, so I mean, so I'm actually not from Birmingham. I'm from the next region over. From just outside Birmingham, but you got tired of saying you were from just outside Birmingham, so you started saying you were from Birmingham. It's you no. and Mike Myers. No, I'm from a whole <laughs> different region known as the Black Country. Yeah. Um, because of all the industrial stuff that happened there, um, and there's there's basically a whole different dialect and language that happens in the Black Country. Um, what's my favorite? My favorite is core for can't. Like your core do that. That's the best. Oh, that's man, the best I forgot one. you all tried to give me a lesson on this, and I was just like, this is nonsense. It really is like a whole different yeah. language that mm-hmm. isn't disappearing because people just talk that way um, from around where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. I'm sure Grey Hair Gaming appreciates it. And congratulations to Indiana Vasilev, who uh, we expect to be leading the line for the United States in 2026. Does that sound good to you? I hope he's just getting some time for Aston Villa um, the rest of the season when the no. Premier League comes back in mid-June. hype. Nothing else. It has, it's all or nothing, Daryl. <laughs> Maybe Vassilev and Sargent can partner each other. How about that? All right, um, that works. Thank you to Great Hair Gaming for the scouting report. If anyone else has scouting reports, it's time to start sending them again now that yeah, we is. are back in action. Um, if you would like to join the scouting network and support the show, the URL is totalsoccershow.com slash join. Uh, before we wrap up, Taylor, let's do a quick preview of what's coming up next week one more time. So on Monday... You and Ryan are going to review the the Sunday Bundesliga action, right? Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, we've got the Bobby Warshaw, who really is like one of my favorite people to analyze a game with. Um, I'm jealous that I won't be able to do that, but you'll be able to do it with him to uh, to look at Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich, which kind of is the title decider, right? If Bayern get a win a at Dortmund, the Bundesliga's over. I think the rest of the bit. games are cancelled. A little bit. <laughs> And then Wednesday, uh, you'll be talking to Manuel Vey. Yes, you are correct. All right, um, it's a full course, week of Bundesliga, my friend. It is a full week of Bundesliga because there's a lot going on. Um, I it's it's kind of exciting to have all this soccer back. Um, I'm ready to wrap up. If you are, I am indeed. I will close then by saying, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again very soon. Mm-hmm.